We have reached November in the college football season, which means it's the month you remember here on the Matt Berry Show ESPN College Football YouTube channel. As we always do on a Sunday, it is the recap. Matt Berry, Paul Feinbaum with you. Uh, we build it as the network, Paul, as a, as a statement Saturday. It certainly was that. I want to start with Alabama LSU because it is now my contention. You ready? You ready for me to just spit this at you, Paul? It is my contention that not only is Alabama, in my mind, the favorite to win the SEC, I think Alabama is now the favorite to win the national championship because this is the exact kind of team that Nick Saban wins with, the one that doesn't have all of the glitz, glamour, the one that he really has to coach. And after what they did to LSU last night, I'm waiting for someone to change my mind. Well, I mean, you're you're on a good track there, Matt, uh, because what's so impressive, and I'm sure you crunched the numbers yesterday, but you look at the second half. I mean, they are they are suffocating teams in the second half, and that's how you win championships. And the offense is, is, is certainly good enough. Uh, Jalen Milrow performed well. And, and they really, I mean, they've got tricky type of games ahead, but nothing that should get in their way. And Georgia is not a perfect team. So, I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not ready to jump ahead four weeks, but, but I, I can't find a lot of fault with what you're saying. And as far as Nick Saban is concerned, you know, you know, he's dialing it up uh, brilliantly. Uh, and, you know, it was a bumpy start and, and, you know, maybe we'll look back at uh, that complete meltdown at, against Texas and, and all the, the histrionics of the next week as, as, as what really turned out. I mean, just to think that Tyler Buckner started for this team, Matt, uh, might be one of the great trivia questions in college football history. Yeah. Look, the, the South Florida near miss when they gave the other two quarterbacks a shot, Ty Simpson was in there, bench Jalen Milrow. They went to Tampa. It was just a bad situation. They seem to have turned the season around, but Paul, am I accurate in saying this? And it's a very treetops comment. And you would know better than anyone. I look at this Alabama team. Like I could look last year and tell you that Will Anderson Jr. and Bryce Young were bona fide superstars, two of the best of their position in all of college football. I can't maybe outside of Dallas Turner, maybe Kool-Aid McKinster, mm -hmm. maybe I can't give you one bona fide star on Alabama. And I think that that's okay. Yeah, I mean, you have you have burgeoning stars, and Caleb Downs uh, is probably the yeah. guy that we'll be talking about for the next two years after this because he won't be around for his final year. Um, but but I think you're right. Now, I think Alabama, uh, as unfortunate as it was last year, having to play in Knoxville and Baton Rouge in, in a matter of three weeks, you know, got the good fortune this year. I mean, they had those games at home. Uh, I mean, LSU is a terribly flawed team that – can overwhelm you because of the dynamic nature of the receivers and, and Jaden Daniels, but they couldn't do it last night. I, I mean, every time LSU did not convert, Matt, I, I was just marking that down as a disaster because they, they were, you know, the, the, the fourth down call was, was, was just terrible. Uh, that was one. I mean, I felt like they maybe got it back. Uh, at the end of the half, uh, and then they missed the field goal. I mean, but but they counted though, uh, and and those were possessions that they desperately needed, and in the end, they didn't have. And 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 but if you watch the 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 A and M game, the Tennessee game, the Ole Miss game, it it we've seen the template. Uh, it's it's hang in there, 
uh, try not to get behind, and they weren't, of course, and then just literally mauled the team in the second half. And that was the mantra that Nick Saban brought to Alabama at, at his opening press conference. He said, we are we are going to overwhelm you. We are going to dominate you. Where in By the time we get to the fourth quarter, you're going to throw up your hands and say, I've had enough. That's it. And and we we were talking about it during the game, watching it last night. It was gonna it, it was clear and it was it was similar uh to the USC Washington game, which we'll get to later, but it was similar in that you were waiting to see who was gonna break serve. It was legitimately a break serve game for both schools. Like it was back and forth, back and who was gonna force a punt. Who was going to make a play defensively? Who was going to make a stop? And Alabama in the second half started to do that. And when you're in, you went, you brought up the fourth down or the fourth down play, not the conversion that LSU had. It goes back to why are we simply just handing teams momentum? I don't understand. I just don't, I, I don't, why are we handing teams momentum in college football now? I mean, you've got a really good quarterback, but I don't, I don't care uh, if you got Tom Brady. Uh, it, it's still, a lot of things can go wrong uh, where you've got to, I mean, I, I really, uh, I mean, there, there, there were some really questionable decisions on the LSU side, but yeah, Hey, it's only their third loss of the season. They still got a bowl game ahead. Yeah. I want to do that for a minute because you and I both really like Brian Kelly. I, I think he is, is really got that thing headed in the right direction. I think they were a year ahead last year, which gave some people some, some hope. I had him in the college football playoff this year. So I was dead wrong. No, I mean, now this is an obituary on their SEC championship hopes this year. How would you assess this LSU team now that we know they won't be playing for the SEC title? I think they, uh, it, it, a, a collage of mistakes have been made there, um, you know, from, I think, designing the defense early on, playing with Harold Perkins, maybe costing them the uh, Florida State game maybe not I mean that, that game we knew we knew that would be a brawl but uh you know that losing the OSU game excuse me losing the Ole Miss game they probably shouldn't have lost that game um but they were flawed uh, Brian Kelly told me last Monday and you know you can take this but I, I took it seriously he said he said really right now we don't have the players to compete with Georgia and Alabama and he's, he's telling the truth uh, and it's on the defensive side uh, and there's just too many holes and they've had injuries and it was just a, co a collection of things. And I don't, I really don't think it would have mattered if, if Jaden Daniels had been in there for the final play of the game. Uh, yeah. Emma was going to figure it out. Yeah. It, look, the, the one thing became crystal clear to me and, and, and I, I believe again, I don't know him like you do. I would say in, in Nick Saban's tenure at Alabama, if, they go on to win the SEC championship. And if they go on to make the college football playoff and win the national championship, I believe this will go down as one of Nick Saban's great coaching jobs at Alabama, just for the simple fact that he had to coach his ass off with this team because it wasn't the teams of yesteryear where you were rolling out first round wide receivers. You were rolling out the Joe Moore award winning offensive line. You were rolling out three all Americans on defense. You didn't know who your quarterback was going to be. You had to coach this team to greatness, and he's on the doorstep of doing it again. Yeah, I mean, he, he is like every great athlete you've ever covered, uh, Matt. And, and I'll use, I think, more golf than any other sport where you, you know, the, if you study Nicholas, if you study Tiger Woods, they were not competing with Phil Mickelson and Arnold Palmer. They were competing with themselves. Yeah. And, and that's that's what Nick that's what Nick Saban does. And I think he, I think everybody got drawn into the Kirby Smart versus Nick Saban. I mean, he's not, he's just, he's not thinking about Kirby Smart like we think he is. 
and and a couple of times I've seen him this year, he he seemed energized. And I mean, he knew the flaws, and the flaw was a quarterback and offensive line. Uh, and both of those have been corrected. The defense looked out of sorts during the Texas game, but that was you know, maybe you know greatness on the other side of the ball. Sure. And and he's and I think he's had the advantage too. And I'm not I'm not trying to crib my way to a uh, Nick Saban you know greatest season ever, but I think you're right. Is he's had the advantage of, of not having to really play an elite team yet in the SEC. Every single team that he's beaten, Ole Miss, uh, A&M, Tennessee, and now LSU had flaws. Although Ole Miss had the fewest amount of flaws, the flaw in that game was, was the head coach uh, just trying to get too cute. So I want to stay out in the SEC West after Alabama made their statement uh, against LSU. And this actually bows in perfectly. I'm so glad they played each other with Ole Miss and Texas A&M. Because right now, look, we're talking about Alabama, Alabama, Alabama. Don't forget Ole Miss is still right there in the SEC West picture, although Alabama owns the tiebreaker advantage over them. But big picture, Lane Kiffin gets another win. But here's where I want to go with this, because I read this stat numerous times on air Saturday. I'm going to say it again, because I don't think that this is how the power gods intended this to go, but Ole Miss has defeated Texas A&M three consecutive times. Ole Miss, little Ole Miss, Oxford, Mississippi, big, bad Texas A&M. Lane Kiffin's done it three consecutive times. And yesterday, maybe the last time he knocks off Jimbo Fisher, uh, his arch nemesis. And, 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 and Matt, uh, it's an amazing accomplishment. And and the fact that that game went the way it did, I think makes the loss even worse for A&M, but it's a tremendous accomplishment for Lane. He does not have those five stars. And, you know, you, you've heard that you sit with coaches all the time and they, I've, I've heard coaches theorize that five stars don't like to get punched in the mouth and it, it tends to affect them a little bit. And I, I think that's what you saw from, from Lane Kiffin's team yesterday. I mean, I mean, they, they went up against elite defensive players and, and won the battle. And, and again, I, I don't, I'll, I'll say this again about Jimbo Fisher. Uh, that was his fourth loss. He still has to go to Baton Rouge. Um, I don't know exactly what conversations are going on, but the feeling in Oxford, which is where I spent yesterday, uh, was that, that the, the book on, on Jimbo Fisher is closing. Uh, there's just nothing else to say. Uh, what, what do you want, what, what else do you need to see if you're a Texas A&M administrator from him that next year is going to be any different than this year? So through 69 games between he and Kevin Sumlin, Sumlin has three more wins. It's 47 and 22 for Sumlin, 44 and 25 for Jimbo Fisher. Sumlin had the advantage of Johnny Manziel. I get it. Um, but the the difference in the three victories is the difference in paycheck. They rolled out a blank check to bring in Jimbo Fisher from Florida State, not to go seven and five, six and six. Oh. They thought that they have, and I and I would agree with this. Texas A&M has the resources, has the facilities, has the history to win the West against the Alabamas and the LSUs and the Auburns. They have that. And they, and they had the advantage this year uh, 
which is critical of playing Alabama at home. And he, I mean, hear me clearly, Jimbo Fisher may be there next year. I, I don't know. Uh, and I'm not about to claim that I do, but uh, I don't think it's the money. Uh, if they want to make a change, they'll make a change, whether it's $77 million or, or, or normal buyout. Uh, but to make that change, they have to have an answer. And I, I think what AM people are, I think what AM people are trying to figure out is if we make this change, then who comes in? Otherwise, uh, they, they, they have enough talent on that roster to maybe turn two or three games and, and have a good season. But the, the idea that we're talking national championships anymore at AM under Jimbo Fisher, I mean, I mean that, that train is long, long gone. I have uh, thought about that as one. Well, I say this all the time because we'll get into the point of this this show here in the next few weeks where it will become apparent that there are going to be some coaches that are no longer at their particular program because that's the way that the business is. And I've always said, okay, fan base, if you want your guy gone, then you had best have an idea of who comes next and you would best have a succession plan that at least on the surface guarantees you more success. Otherwise, you're starting over for no reason. There are things that are just they're irreparable that you have to do. For instance, Michigan State, Mel Tucker, they were, they were underperforming on the field. They, he just wasn't worth the money that he got. He had one good year, and he just wasn't worth it. But they had an issue where they had to get rid of him, so they got to find someone. That's a, that's a situation beyond the university's control in getting rid of a coach. If you're Texas A&M, like who's out there? I mean, do you look across the sidelines to Lane Kiffin? I mean, who, who's out there that's going to make you live up to the expectations that you have as a Texas A&M person? Well, you're right. And, and I, I don't know. I mean, Lane Kiffin seems very happy where he is. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's, you know, does he want to deal with all that? I mean, he, no. he's already been, he's already coached for the Raiders where you have a, yeah, an ego maniacal owner. He's coached at Southern Cal, which is as tough as it gets. And to go Tennessee into that Auburn, uh, I don't see why he would. Uh, I mean, there may be something out there for Lane Kiffin, but I, but it's not there. And and you know, the, the the only name people keep throwing up is Mike Elko. But like, I, I don't. I, I mean, that would be a really big risk. I don't care how good a coach he is, but to put him in that environment uh, with Texas coming in the SEC, I mean, they have they have a serious problem at A and I'm 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 stating the obvious here. I try not to do that. They've got to figure this out. And they really, he has no more real estate uh, to, to change anyone's mind. I mean, the only game left on the schedule that matters is at LSU on the final weekend and beating a three loss uh, LSU team is not going to change anyone's mind. It's funny you bring up Elko because I just spent time with Elko this week, Thursday night college football. We were at Duke and uh, their game against Wake Forest. And Elko obviously has the history is there as a defensive coordinator. Um, and Elko might be a guy when you look at it and I'm not putting him in the Texas A&M job. I'm just simply bringing him up for bigger mm -hmm. jobs. He is from, he's from South Brunswick. Like yeah. he just legitimately doesn't give a damn. He's just a South Brunswick guy. He's got that, that wise guy mentality up from up in this area of the country. He might be a guy that goes to a big program. I was like, I don't give a damn what you think. Like, I'm tough, hard-nosed defensive guy. I'm substance. I'm not sizzle. I'm going to recruit guys. And by the way, if, if five-star uh, softness is my problem, then I'm not going to get the five stars. I'm going to get the three and four stars. I'm going to I'm going to make them tough. So the the, the names with AM are going to be interesting. 
while they still have a, a head coach, but it just, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I can't put my finger on the but, Jimbo. But, but Matt, Matt, yeah. I, I agree with you, Elko, but that as, as good as that may sound, you've been to AM. Yeah. That, that may not work. He, that might not pass the interview process because uh, it, it, A&M is, is, is different than, than every other school that I've ever been to. And, and I respect, I respect the people out there immensely, but, but it's unique. And if you don't, if you don't, if you don't adhere to that uniqueness, you're not going to make it there. Yeah. And you want to go back a month when, when coach prime's name was being floated for everything. I mean, yeah. he's demoting coordinators mid season. <laughs> he's, He's butchering clock management. I mean, and I saw I saw where Jimbo Fisher is a buy on. Uh, excuse me, uh, Debo Sweeney said his stock is a buy. What is what is Coach Prime's right now? Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the way that the first month of the season started, he invented college football. Yeah, to Dabo after the win yesterday against Notre Dame. Which, by the way, congratulations, to Dabo Sweeney, winning as coach in Clemson history. He was all fired up after the game. Said if we're if you're buying stock, buy it in Clemson. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I mean, you're five and four. I get it. You probably shouldn't be five and four is it a penny stock like what do we do what do we do with clemson yeah i mean i i was entertained by that i was watching it on a plane and i'm like okay great dabble yeah you 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 beat notre dame which a lot of people expected you to do at home and you should have done at home and you beat down a caller uh, to your radio show you've had a great week uh, go, go take a victory lap <laughs> That was had a great week with that eleven million dollars salary. He liked yeah. liked the quote to Tyler. And, and, and by the way, uh, when when we're all at the college football playoff this year in Pasadena and New Orleans and later in Houston, you'll be watching it on TV unless ESPN's nice enough to bring you out there as an analyst. Oh, you beat me to it. I was like, what if he's sitting next to me on the oh. set doing like <laughs> college football TV? Uh, that's the SEC West pivot to the SEC East. Uh, Georgia, second ranked team they played this year in Missouri. Missouri was very well prepared. There was a very good game for the most part, but I've said this on television. I'll say it here with Georgia. They're like a boa constrictor. They, they, they give you a little bit of hope that they're going to let you survive. And then they literally squeeze the life out of you at the end and just keep on winning. They do. Uh, and I, I, I don't, I think people around the country who kind of flipped around, I don't think you appreciate the, the, the job that has been done out there this year by, by Drinkwitz and his staff. I mean, they, they are really well coached. They've got an excellent team, but they, they're, they're really not a factor anymore. Uh, hope they have a great season, uh, but you know, we probably won't be talked about much more here. No, it was Brady cook. Uh, they, they, all of the, talent that they have at receiver i mean it really really is a good story and they kind of surprise everyone in the east but at the end of the day it always comes down to georgia and it appears we're on a collision course with georgia and alabama having said that i've changed my tune and that if i were the college football playoff committee which i'm not i would rank georgia number one this week based on yet another dominating performance ohio state by virtue of resume got there great but they still don't impress me as the Number one team, and they're not the best team. They were number one based on the resume. I, I think Georgia, long but proved, they're the number one team in the country. Yeah, and uh, I don't know, man. I'm I'm so exhausted hearing about the, the committee and the battles, and I know you are even more than I am because I I finally can walk away from it on Saturday, and you can't. But you know, this this Michigan Ohio State situation correct it will correct itself, assuming Michigan is still around and. I'm kind of tired of that story too, although it still remains the, the story of college football. And 
you know, all, all the sources. And I mean, it, it, the thing about the Michigan story, not to d- d- digress, is that's no, so please, because I was going to go there next anyway. What, what what really annoys me though is is that the, the lack of objectivity, um, and you know, I, I know what people say about us, and and that's fine. Everybody's entitled to their opinion, but I, I can assure you that nobody at the network that we work at is being told what to say. Uh, we're not carrying the network flag. Uh, Michigan is a, is a great university and they have a great football team. And if they if they win the national championship, that's great. It doesn't change my life, doesn't change yours. But I, I don't think you can accurately say that about some other commentators uh, who, who have a vested interest in Michigan being successful. Do we think, like, do you think, should, because we were talking about this yesterday in the studio, could the Big Ten play this to their advantage and say, all right, we're going to give this another week or so, see how everything happens around us. Take Michigan out of the Big Ten championship. Okay, hear me out. Let's say they beat Ohio State, but they make them ineligible for the Big 12, Big Ten championship, so they're 12-0. and 0. Ohio State gets in at 11-1. and 1. Sure as the sun comes up, Ohio State's going to beat the hell out of ever who comes out of the Big Ten West. Sure. So now you've got 12-1 and 1 conference champ Ohio State, 12-0 Michigan that wasn't eligible to play for your Big Ten championship, but the committee's already said this isn't a committee problem. This is a Big Ten NCAA problem. So could you give the Big Ten what they want, the Big Ten athletic directs what they want, punish Michigan, and still get both teams in the playoff? Yeah, it's a really clever idea because it, it might be the only way they get two teams in the playoff. Um, right. I wouldn't put it past them because – that way you, you spare Ohio State or possibly uh I mean I mean if Ohio, I mean I guess if Ohio State lost they're not going to be in the playoffs but if they win the game I mean I I think I think it protects uh the league a little bit I, I think so. I mean no knowing the Big Ten they'll probably suspend they'll let uh, Michigan play uh Penn State this weekend and probably suspend Harbaugh for the Maryland game uh which would be really unique he'd be the only coach that's ever been suspended twice in the same season um, and that'll have a bit, but I mean, they have nowhere to go. Uh, and I, 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 mean, I think Tony Petiti is just playing this great. He's having meetings with people. Uh, but in the end, I have no, I have no confidence in, in him doing anything as severe as you just laid out. And to be clear, self-imposed suspension by Jim Harbaugh, which is probably what rankled the NCAA. It's like, wait a second, you're, you're not going to take it seriously. We're going to, and this, there's so, I'm not even going to, go down the line of all the stories that are out there about who started this investigation, because we just don't know. It doesn't matter. Uh, right. Matt, and that, that's all I hear. And, you know, I had people, you know, blowing me up on say, Hey, you know, you saw Michigan's already corrected this by firing that guy. I mean, that was, you couldn't get a bet on that in Vegas, the counter stallion could be <laughs> let go. I mean, that was, that was so, that, that was pretty, pretty easy to predict. Um, and I, I don't know. Listen, uh, I, we don't know all the facts, but we, we know a lot. And if Ryan Day's brother-in-law uh, leaked the story, uh, it doesn't matter. Uh, it doesn't matter. Uh, it doesn't matter as long as as long as the, the school is complicit. That's the only thing that matters in this case. And by the way, if Ryan Day's brother-in-law, head coach Ohio State, did leak the story, can we just put it out there that Ohio State Michigan is the greatest rivalry in, yeah. in all of sport? I mean, we had the ten-year war between Bo and Woody. You had Urban Meyer doing his thing for a bit when he was just dominating Michigan. But now if this is going on, like, close, close the curtain. This is the greatest thing 
we've seen in college football rivalries, and you've been around a bunch of them. And I'll, I'll put you out on this one. We'll wrap it up here. At the end of the day, statement Saturday, first weekend of November, the headline was what? Well, the headline, it was a dual headline, I think, because of the two games that were going on simultaneously. And it was that Washington uh, and Alabama really survived. And, and I think it was probably a little bit bigger uh, than Alabama because I, I think we all knew Washington would be able to score 50 points against USC, uh, but we weren't sure about Alabama. And and I just can't, I can't help but think about here we are on uh, heading into uh, the second week of November and, and the Southern Cal program is just completely blown apart. Um, and, and, you know, all the sad faces. I mean, I, I, just, I, I because I don't think any program came into this season, even, even Georgia didn't get the hype that, that Lincoln Riley got and Caleb Williams got, uh, and they've thrown it all away. And, and by the way, uh, any, anyone who didn't see this coming, it just doesn't follow college football. No, and when you really look at Lincoln Riley and USC, they're a two-point conversion away from losing at Cal a week ago, and that would have made it four consecutive losses. And it would appear to me, barring any NIL paycheck that keeps him there, Caleb Williams is going to leave college football without playing in the college football playoff, without playing for a conference championship. It's really remarkable. Um, What was interesting about what was happening there, and this is is an off-the-radar thing, uh, for most people, Matt, but not for you, considering you sit uh, next to uh, the former head coach at Florida. But what, what I what, what I would have given to be sitting with you yesterday in the middle of the afternoon watching the end of the Arkansas-Florida game. Let's just put it this way. We will keep all of that in the studio where it was everything was said. I, it was, um Yeah. But but but, I, but I'll offer this about Billy Napier, who's a really good guy, um, but he is now uh, teetering, uh, and I and I I mean he was fighting for a bowl game at, at Florida. And by the way, this is the University of Florida. This is where Steve Spurrier uh, had a decade of, of terror. Where Urban Meyer, fifteen years ago, only won two national championships, and they're still bitter that they didn't win three. Uh, there was a Netflix documentary a couple weeks ago that came out on on, on that era, which ended in, in 2009 when Tim Tebow left. And what was it, the fifth loss of the season? I, I'm trying to remember. I think it was the fourth or fifth loss. I've lost track, quite frankly, uh, how bad this team is. But they lost to Arkansas, a team that literally hasn't beaten anyone. Uh, and and that the remaining games, I believe, are at LSU – at Missouri and Florida State. Yeah, and you, yes, and you look at where the, like, I think they have four losses. Yeah, I'm going to check that for you right now. So we, but but when you when they, you saw they did the Tennessee, you're like, oh, maybe there's a pulse. But yeah, the guy that I sit next to in studio who was fired by Florida, yeah, five and four, three and three in SEC. Think about, but but let's let's dive into that for a second. Think about if you are Dan Mullen, whose worst recruiting class is still better than the mm-hmm. current's best, yet he was told that he didn't like to recruit. He had some quarterback issues, and Anthony Richards already getting hurt. So you're told you're not good enough. We're going to bring someone in better, and then this is what Florida's putting out there. Again, we like – I really like Billy Napier. Um, but sometimes you just look at what's going on, and you got to wonder, like, Florida, a la Texas A&M, shouldn't be in the position where they're trying to build something, ever. Yeah, as much as we talked about A&M earlier, Florida is a, is a bigger job. 
Uh, I mean, it, it is a blue blood in college football. And I heard this from uh, the most famous Florida player ever yesterday. And, and he said the concern going into that game it wasn't about wins and losses. It was about holding on to a really good recruiting class. And they have a really good, they're, they're top three, four recruiting class uh, going into that game. But when, when a game like that happens, the negativity starts to mushroom. And uh, this is around the, the point uh, a couple of years ago where, where Dan was let go. Uh, I think it was after the, it was a week from now, I guess, after the Missouri game. And, and I, I, Scott Strickland, the AD down there, is all in on Billy Napier. But the problem is the statistics just are insanely bad for him, as I'm sure you've seen many, many times. And and and, and I, I don't I, his situation is different than than Jimbo's. Um, but because you know, I mean, Jimbo, Jimbo's a bigger name. I mean, Jimbo Jimbo's had seven, him. six, seven years. I mean, Billy Napier came from a smaller school where he did well and. And everybody said we got the better coach than, than Brian Kelly. Remember, uh, and and it, it, I mean, you talk about a quagmire. Uh, Florida is in a quagmire right now, trying to figure out what to do. Uh, do we do we do they hold on? Do they hold the rope? Do they say all the right things? When quite frankly, the fans are looking at Billy Napier and going, "Man, what, what's what's with this guy?" Yeah, and I think you uh, you've you've heard my stance on this before, and I'll say it again publicly. I think you should never, ever, ever, barring scandal or anything like that, you should never get rid of a coach after three years, ever, ever, or before three years, ever. Year one, you're trying to figure out what the last guy did, and you're trying to build your foundation. Year two, you're trying to do a little bit of roster turnover, bring your guys in and recruit. Year three should be the year that you should see significant improvement. If by year three it's not taking, then it may never take. And I've always gone on saying four years, you will know after four years if you've got the right coach. You That's it. Four years is your that's that's when you're going to know. And if it's not showing progress by year three, then year four doesn't get any better than it's time to cut. I, I think you're fundamentally correct on that. But in, in the in the world of ever changing rosters, it, it 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 makes people a little more anxious. And I I I think Napier will 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 survive because he he's got support. Um, and he, and maybe maybe he should have. I I don't know. I'm I'm I don't know what what the people at Florida know. I, I but I I know what fans know. And, and they're fed up. And, and I think the misery index right now in my my little world, it will be interesting to measure uh, the Napier misery versus the, the Jimbo Fisher misery. Yeah, that's a good one. And and, uh, and look, and I'll say this, if, if, if people in Gainesville want a little hope this morning, I'm going to give you some some hope. Just look look up left in the panhandle at Tallahassee and the patience they gave Mike Norvell. This is year four for Norvell. And barring any catastrophic upset or just weird stuff around the college football playoff, they're going to be undefeated. They'll likely win the ACC championship and punch their ticket to a playoff. So sometimes patience isn't the worst thing because people want Norvell out of there immediately. And now in my mind, he's got one of the more talented rosters in college football, even if they did struggle a little bit against Pitt yesterday without their two-star receivers. So we weren't let down. First week in November provided us so many storylines that then they has me all giddies. We have three more weeks of this because you know – Chaos is coming in college football. For Paul Feinbaum, I'm Matt Barry. Thanks for watching our recap here on the ESPN College Football YouTube channel.